For the last few months, every Monday, I go into the Beyond Measure private community and record an episode that comes out the following Monday. <laughs> and the format of that is inviting anyone, including yourself, who is interested in an interactive experience to join me. There is a video component, unlike those of you who are just listening to the podcast, if you ever want to see me and see other people that are listening to the show, that's where this interactive element comes into play. And it's such an interesting process since I started doing this because it feels more collaborative. It has the community elements. It is adding another level. So it's not just me talking to you. It's giving you the opportunity to talk with me too and influence the way the episodes go. And generally what I do is start off with a 20 to 30 minute pre-show period in which someone like yourself can come and chat with me and the other members. And it's really fun. Today went a little bit different though, because right before I got into the, the session for this recording, I had had a meeting that didn't quite go as planned. So I shared with the Beyond Measure live members today, the viewers today, the participants, much better word actually, um, because like I said, it's not just viewing or listening, it's participating. I shared that I'm gonna switch things up and do a post show segment for anyone who wants to stick around and interact and record the podcast first, because I realized as soon as I got into the live room that I wasn't able to focus and be present until I finished processing the meeting that had just ended. So that's what I'm going to do today to share with you how I'm processing something that didn't go as planned, something unexpected, something challenging. I think it's incredibly important for us to step back and process and I'm recognizing how much time that needs. It's a helpful way to get more in touch with yourself when you recognize, hmm, I don't want to act as a robot. <laughs> I'm not a robot. I'm a human being who has emotions and emotions often need to be processed. Maybe emotions always need to be processed, but do we give ourselves enough time to process complex emotions, thoughts, reactions, feelings. So I'm practicing that in this episode and I'll share with you what I'm learning from this specific experience. In terms of specifics, I will not share too many details because it did involve another person. I had a one-on-one -on -one meeting through Zoom with another person, but I will protect the details of it. Um, essentially though, this is a person that I recently started doing some work with and felt really excited about this work. The, the excitement reminded me a lot of dating. <laughs> Whereas I met this person online, almost like I met in an online dating space. I met them in a professional setting 
I liked what I saw, kind of like when you read a dating profile and you think, oh, I like their pictures or I like what they say about themselves. This sounds like a fit. And it didn't just sound like a fit or look like a fit. It felt like a fit to me. I felt something inside, much like I had I, when I used to do online dating years ago. You know, I would swipe through the app and every once in a while I would come across someone. It wasn't just that I found them attractive on like a lustful level or something. It was that I found them attractive on an energetic level. Sometimes you see somebody's eyes or their smile or their posture and they convey a lot to you. And it's really interesting. I guess it depends. Maybe not everybody feels that way, but I pick up on energy and often through appearance. It's like a deeper level. I feel like I can sense just from a photo sometimes. Now, the photo of this person that I, I did some work with wasn't really what I picked up on. It was it was the description of the work. It was it was what this person needed. And I thought, oh, I think I can be what they need. Kind of like with dating when you when you see something and go, ooh, this person doesn't just feel like someone I'm going to get along with, but like we could have a connection. I feel like I'm connecting with them. I feel like we both have something to offer. It's mutually beneficial. That's what I'm getting at. And that's what I felt with this person that I met online who was looking to hire someone. Now, I do a lot of different work. <laughs> I've been a a Jill of all trades my whole life, actually. I remember being like given the title of Jack of all trades when I was in like fifth or sixth grade in elementary school, which would have made me what, 10 or 11 years old. That's when I remember learning what a Jack of all trades was. And I think back to that time often because I'm somebody who is very I don't know if multifaceted is the right word, but I just have a lot of interests. I have a lot of skills. I've done a ton of work. When I recently revamped my resume on LinkedIn, I was blown away by my history. Like I hadn't thought about it that much, but I've, I've had so many jobs from babysitting and dog sitting working at a library, all just in high school. And then it just went on and on and on over time. Like, I don't even think my LinkedIn profile has every job that I've ever done on there. And I don't know if that's rare. I'd love to hear from, from you if, if you're someone who's had a lot of jobs or maybe just had a few. It's probably more common for millennials and younger generations to have a lot of experience because I think older generations tend to have then a little bit more linear or linear might not be the right word, but they study something in school, they go get a job, they maybe get promoted in that and they're maybe working for the same company for 30 years or so, maybe more. I guess if you do the math, let's see, if you, if you start working around 20 and retire at 60, I mean, I bet you some generations would have like one or two jobs in 40 years. <laughs> and for me, uh, I, it's not quite been like that. And I like it that way. So leading me to what I do today, I, I typically work as a consultant or a coach. Many of you are familiar that 
I offer well-being coaching. That's something I do within Beyond Measure. That's something I do privately. I work with groups. I work one-on-one to do well-being coaching, essentially supporting people with their health and wellness, most mostly mental health and and figuring out what's the best way to get them towards their goals. I've also done a ton of work as a cons- as a business actually in the coaching field, like a business coaching, marketing coaching, social media coaching, and then consultant work essentially too. That's how I pay my bills right now. The podcast doesn't generate a lot of money. I don't need it to because I have clients that hire me. Sometimes I work with them for years. Sometimes I work with them for a month. It's always shifting. And this recent person I've been talking about hired me um, after a great conversation. Uh, I kind of jumped ahead a little. As I said, we the, our profiles lined up just like dating profiles might. And we kind of went on a quote first date, but it was all business. And it was an amazing first business date. We met on Zoom and I showed up wondering if this person would like me as much as I seemed to like them. Check. That was great. Then it was a matter of, am I the right fit for this person? And I saw this person go from a very narrow view of who they thought they were going to hire to a broad view of, oh, wow, Whitney can support me with a bunch of things. The complicated side of it was figuring out the finances. This is a really challenging thing for me. And I've been wondering recently if it will ever not feel challenging, if the challenge will end, essentially. Um, And in this specific case, this person seemed to have some challenges around paying people, not sharing how much. And so my next step was trying to figure out how much did I want to charge them? Because I don't really have a going rate, (laughs) which feels kind of silly. But because I've done so many different jobs, I've been paid all different price ranges. And what my favorite way to work is when a client says, hey, this is my budget. And I say, great, this is what I can do in that budget. That's the best. (laughs) It feels like we figured it out. They have some money. They know how much they want to spend. And I am able to say what I'm able to do for that money. And if it's not enough, they generally pay me more or I bring down my work. Like it just kind of works out that way. With this person, it wasn't that easy. But I always look forward to challenges because that's where I can grow. Getting uncomfortable is often the way to figure things out for me. So. I allowed us to kind of sit in this place of unknown. It felt like we were mutually in an unknown place of figuring it out together. And we decided to do kind of a trial run of meeting and discussing more and starting to work. And then we'd figure out a rate from there. And that felt like it was going really well. One thing that's very important to me when I'm working with clients at this stage of my life is to feel connected, feel in sync, I don't want anything transactional. I want it to feel mutually beneficial, like I said, just like dating, you know? I think some people when they date, I mean, I guess everybody has their own agendas, right? Or desires. Some people it's just purely about romance. It's about sex. It's about 
physical connection. They want to be attracted. They want to have sexual relations with each other. They want to feel something physically. And as I mentioned in an upcoming episode, which um, comes out in a few weeks from the day that I'm recording this, uh, which is very much about sex. I'm very excited to release that episode. Um, I mentioned in that episode how I consider myself a sexual person, but but that's not, I don't, and that seems kind of strange. I consider myself a sexual person, meaning like that's important to me is what I'm trying to say. I think it's important to a lot of people, but it depends where it falls in your priorities. What's more important to me, both personally, like dating and professionally working is feeling a connection, feeling like I'm making a difference in my life and somebody else's life. That's what I go for these days. I want it to feel in flow. I want it to feel in sync. I want it to feel fulfilling for everybody, satisfying. I want it to feel happy. And I really have gotten more in touch with that this year. In fact, a relationship with a client came to an end a few weeks ago. And it was ready to come to an end, much like dating, much like a relationship. When You know, you can just kind of feel that it's, it's not working anymore. Like there's resistance. That's what it felt like with that client about three weeks ago. And this new person I've been talking about today, like, the, it started off in that good feeling, like having a great date. Oh my gosh, there's so much promise here. But the money side of it had yet to be resolved. And essentially, over the last few weeks, it felt like more and more resistance came up. And it was a really uncomfortable yet big growing period because I had to spend a lot of time thinking about money and thinking about what did would feel good to me financially for the work that this person needed or wanted from me without making it transactional. To me, I couldn't wait to get past the finances because I wanted to focus on the purpose and the fulfillment. But with work, you know, money is a, is a big part of it because if someone's hiring you, they will, they want to pay you something that feels good to them. And you want to receive something that feels good to you. And I think that's really, really tricky. I've noticed more and more how hard it is to get in alignment with that. And essentially we didn't ever figure that out. It was almost, I think the reason I had to prioritize processing this uh, before I could get into the fun beyond measure conversations that we usually have before I record, I knew I couldn't have fun in beyond measure until I processed and kind of mourned what feels like the end of a new relationship. Essentially, the conversation I had right before recording this was like a breakup. And it feels a little bit more raw when it's someone new. Just like dating, you know, I, 
I've through the online dating world, like there was a couple men that I went out on a few dates with. And then you determine after a few dates or what well, we did, I should say, in, in my experience, we determined, oh, maybe there's nothing here. But the it feels kind of sad, even if it's after just a few dates, because I think when we connect with someone, there feels like hope and excitement and like, ooh, this could this person be the one? And I've been in dynamics where I've dated someone for a few months and then ended things. And that has been painful for me. Even if I can look back and say, oh, you know, there was a lot of obstacles. There was a lot of hurdles that we weren't be able to we weren't able to overcome, it still hurts when something doesn't work out. And that's where I'm at today. I think that it, I don't think we're going to be able to make things work together. And I think I feel sad and disappointed. I also feel, hmm. Right now in this moment, because I'm such a people pleaser, or I have been my whole life, maybe I'm working my way away from being a people pleaser, it's hard for me and something doesn't work out and I feel helpless. I feel like, wow, I, I tried so hard and this still didn't work out. That's rough. And it was an interesting experience too, because I think this person also wanted things to work out with me, but there was some, some like block there that neither one of us could quite get through. And that's why it felt a lot like dating where it's like sometimes two people really want something and they see the potential in one another. And yet it just doesn't work. And that's why it's it's challenging to process because historically for me, I, I, I'm not someone that likes to give up <laughs> dating personally or professionally. Like I think right now I'm, I want to figure it out. I do believe that everything is figure outable. That's a, a quote from Marie Forleo. Part of her branding is everything's figure outable. And I, I believe that. But maybe figuring it out is more to do for yourself than with somebody else. I think that's where I'm at right now. It's also tricky and something reminiscent of dating. In this conversation I had with this person right before recording, it felt like they were trying to say, this is, this is what I want. And so I, I was listening to them and thinking, I can do that. And I said, sure, I can give you that. And every time I said, sure, I can give you that, it felt like this person says, yeah, but it was just like the constant, yeah, but, yeah, but. And I, was noticing and realizing in real time through this conversation with this person that no matter what I said, no matter how willing I was, no matter how hard I was trying, there was always going to be a but. And that's 
a very challenging thing to figure out? <laughs> or is it just a very, like, it's a difference between a black and white. When somebody says, I don't want you anymore, I'm done. This relationship is over. I wonder with this person if they knew it wasn't working, but they didn't know how to say it so black and white. So they stayed in a little bit of a gray area where it almost seems like there was hope, but it wasn't actually, it was like a facade of hope. And I don't think people do that personally or professionally to be rude. I think they do that because it's uncomfortable to say to somebody, we're breaking up. This is over. This is done. This isn't working. That's hard. That's a very hard thing to say. It's also a very hard thing to receive. But just like dating, if if you don't give somebody a very clear-cut answer, it's a little bit of a um, false hope. It might be leading them on. It's hard to get closure. And that's also what made this situation tricky for me is I came off of a bit of a confusing conversation where I was essentially being broken up with professionally without true closure. I even asked this person, what could I do to wrap up my work with them? And they didn't even know what they wanted or if they wanted anything. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like I, I was in, it was like we had momentum and then suddenly the momentum stops. But what do you do with all the energy of that momentum? It's, it's still there like a motor, if you just shut it off, like it can come to a grinding halt, but it can actually make things worse or ruin something with if it doesn't come to a slowdown, if it's not wrapped up. So I had this feeling of, wow, the, this we're not going to be able to find a way through, but what do we do with everything that we created up until that point? And I guess, fortunately for me, that's not my responsibility. Not every, it's not my responsibility for everything to have a, a bow on it. It's not my responsibility for everything to have a clear cut beginning and end. All relationships are a partnership. They require two parties or multiple parties to come together, work together in sync. And if it's not in sync, I don't think it's either person's or party's blame. It just wasn't able to get into sync. Maybe they're, everybody's trying to make it work and they can't. And so we can only take personal responsibility for ourselves, but that feels tough. And I think as a recovering people pleaser, it's an opportunity for me to step back and go, okay, I don't need to do anything else. I can accept that this is hard. I can accept that this feels confusing and complicated. There's disappointment there because I had hope. I was excited. I tried really hard. I tried my best. Still didn't work out. But maybe there's nothing else that I can do or any, or maybe there's nothing else that I need to do. There's a difference there too. 
if you're someone like me who likes to figure out everything, it's a really hard point to get to when you're not able to figure it out, when you're told, no, we're just going to stop and that's just it. And maybe that's the closure in those situations. Because accepting that something's over is the personal work. Accepting that you can't please everybody is the work. I think maybe that's the hardest part for me in this moment is I really wanted to please this person because I cared about them. But nothing I was doing was please them and not on a personal level. I think the beauty in this specific situation was I don't really take it personally, at least not yet. Grief comes in waves and stages, I suppose. And it's possible that I might feel good. I might be able to come to some conclusions in this conversation with you today. But later today, I, I might feel really awful about it. It's probably going to take me a while to, to process this experience because I did put so much hope and excitement into it. And I struggle with things coming to an end. I don't like ends. <laughs> I like fluid things. Life feels fluid. There's, I mean, the cool thing about life in general is it ain't over till it's over. But yet within that life, there's so many endings. And yet every time something ends, my brain always goes, yeah, but what if, <laughs> you know? And much like a breakup, as I've experienced many times, some people do come back after a relationship ends professionally just like personally, you know, I, I've had so many, especially my longer relationships, most of them have had a really slow, complicated ending. Even years later, a man I've dated have come out of the woodwork or something and, and I could tell there's still something there. So it wasn't really over, but I wanted it to be over door closed and locked th throw out the key and not in a cold or transactional way but that feels easier sometimes because that gray area of like well what if it's not actually over even though we're saying it is over like that's hard <laughs> oh my god i mean this just the more i talk about it, it feels so messy and i don't even know really where the lessons are in it is the lesson just acceptance I think so. <laughs> Is the lesson not being attached? Is the lesson to somehow find a way to move through life without getting too attached, but also not keeping ourselves too unattached, if that makes sense. Like it's finding that balance between caring, but not caring too much that will be devastated if, if or when it doesn't work out. Much like dating, 
I think a lot of people struggle to be fully intimate because they feel like if they if they open up too much, it's going to hurt a lot if it comes to an end. And I don't know if we live in a time anymore or as much as we used to, as I mentioned earlier, where something like a job has long-term potential or security, especially in my line of work, which when I do consulting, it's generally about marketing or building up a digital business and all the things that come along with it. There's a lot of nuances to it. And it can feel transactional at times. It can feel finite. And in most of my work, the, I think the hardest thing about my work, if I were to say so, how I've made a living the last 13 years or so is it's very month to month because <laughs> anything could happen at any time that could end a relationship. And I, I have to say, sometimes I really like that. And sometimes it's really uncomfortable because, you know, with this client relationship looking like it came to an end, it looks, I think it was a breakup. I'm not even a hundred percent sure, but I, I think I was just broken up with professionally. Now I, there's a gap in my life with financial gap, a time gap. And I'm going to take a little bit of time to further process it and then get back up on my feet and, and look for the next work while also knowing that the same thing could happen to me again. That's really hard. But it's also true with most jobs right now. I mean, we are in a time where there's not a ton of job security because of a lot of financial insecurity that has a ripple effect in everybody. A lot of people are afraid to spend money, so people's jobs get cut, even jobs that they thought might be super secure. Hear about in the news all the time, layoffs happening. So it's not just people that do freelance work like myself that get in these positions, but anybody can be in that position, and it feels really scary. But you know what else is scary is being in a job where you're unhappy. You might have financial stability, but feeling fulfilled, feeling like you have a purpose, feeling like the conditions work for you, that's hard to find and it's scary if you don't find it. So I think work in general is incredibly complex. I read this wonderful book, I think I've mentioned it a few times, called What Works by Tara McMullen. And the subtitle is A Comprehensive Framework to Change the Way We Approach Goal Setting. So it's mostly about goals. But Tara addresses how complicated and not always well-optimized the whole workplace situation is for us, like looking at our relationships to goals and productivity, our relationships to money. And I've realized through reading books like that, how hard it is to find a position in which you're paid what you're worth, 
or paid what you want, paid in a way that suits you and your needs, essentially, that's hard. Just to even get paid is hard, like I said. <laughs> but then to find a sense of fulfillment or pur purpose, that's a whole nother challenge. I would say I'm mostly in the opposite position where I find a lot of purpose and fulfillment in my work, but the payment side of it is the mo is the hardest part. The in financial insecurity at times can feel really challenging. And um, I don't know, that's something I have to spend some more time reflecting on today. I wouldn't say that I feel that scared. I've been working really hard to build up a savings account. And that took me about two years to get where I'm at right now. And it doesn't even feel like it's completely stable, but it has been worth it. So I would say as a word of advice to anyone out there who can relate to what I'm sharing today, couldn't recommend enough building a, some sort of financial security for yourself through a savings account or other investments so that you have something to turn to if you end up in a situation like I am. Because I, you know, I don't always want to have a million balls up in the air that I'm juggling trying to make sure if one drops then I have others. Like, I think that's how a lot of us operate, especially in the freelance world. And I'm trying to find that balance for myself where I'm not always juggling. It's a beautiful statement that a guest made on the show. Gosh, let me see who, who, who said this. It was about soaring. And I think that's even the title of it. I think it might have been Laura Black. Let me double check. Yes. And... Laura said, we're always flapping our wings and never giving ourselves a chance to soar. I would like that chance to soar more. That's what I'm aiming for in my life. And I'm curious right now, can I stop flapping my wings? As a metaphor instead of juggling, but very similar to juggling when you have all these balls up in the air, trying to make sure nothing falls. Very similar to flapping your wings constantly to just stay afloat so that you don't fall. But can you get to a place where you're just soaring? That's what I'm after right now, but that feels hard. It's a very hard thing to achieve. And yet I don't want to look back on my life and see that all I did was flap my wings. I think soaring not only takes work to get to that position, but it also takes trust. And right now that's where I'm leaning towards is maybe I should just stop flapping my wings, even if it's just for today. I think I do need to stop flapping my wings so I can process the emotions that have come up one of the Beyond Measure members said that rejection is an opportunity to move to another direction. 
to make room for other opportunities. And maybe flapping the wings is the way that we move. I'm not flapping our wings. You know, we, I think going with this metaphor, working so hard, flapping all the time, trying to keep that momentum, that rhythm going. It's just maybe that hope that we're getting to move towards the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. But we also need time to process the in-between the things. And maybe that's what soaring can do too. Or maybe it's not even about soaring. Maybe it's okay to just ride the wave of the in-between. I don't know. I don't know if any of this makes sense. <laughs> it's the trouble with processing out loud, all these emotions. And what I recognize I really need to do is to just stop. When things hurt, when things don't make sense, it's an opportunity to just pause and say, okay, let me, let me step back. Let me evaluate. Let me feel this. Because there's also the side of trying to force something, like I said, versus letting it be. Sometimes I try to force the next thing so quickly, but I haven't sat in the present enough. It's also a lot like dating in that some people, they just go from relationship to relationship to relationship. Or maybe they have a few relationships going just to see which one is going to work out the best. And they keep someone on the back burner or something, right? I've never actually felt good about that. I think I've dated a few people at once before and I realized very quickly it wasn't for me because I want to put my heart into one person. And I don't think I've ever looked back and said, oh, this didn't work out. I wish I had someone on the back burner. Like, no, I'll sit in the discomfort of the breakup and I'll process it before I move on. Because much like you know, dating, um, I think if we're just jumping from job to job to job, that's where it becomes transactional. But if we can give ourselves an in-between to process it and really figure out what we want and who we are and what we learned to process the disappointment, that builds up more self-awareness and strength, the resiliency for the next opportunity. And I think this is what was said in the Beyond Measure chat. Not only are you making room for other opportunities, but you're strengthening yourself for the next one. That strength doesn't guarantee the next one will work out either, though. That's where the unattachment comes in. It's knowing that you might fail again. Likelihood is that you will fail again. But not sitting in the pain of that, the discomfort of that for too long that you don't even try. Essentially, I'm just in a messy period work-wise and trying to be very transparent about it while also not knowing fully how to speak on it, not knowing how to articulate all these feelings, not knowing what the lessons are yet. There's a lot of not knowing today for me. 
I wish I could wrap it up all in a bow, but I've, I've recognized with this show, that's hard to do too. I think podcasters often are encouraged to give people key takeaways and give them the answers. But I think one of the greatest thing I've learned in life, but also from well-being coaching is that it's not always going to have a perfect answer. It's going to be complex and complicated and in the gray area or in that messy middle a lot in life. And I do my best to reflect the realities of life on this podcast. <laughs> and the reality is today just feels really messy for me. Most days do. Thank you for listening. I don't know where to go from there, but I am going to do some chatting with the Beyond Measure members now, and I welcome you as a podcast listener in there anytime. If you want to discuss the complexities of, of your own human experience, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to have you part of the conversation. As I mentioned, every Monday, I do the recording live. I read people's comments live as I'm recording, and we have an opportunity outside the recording to just chat with each other about all different elements of life. Sometimes we do activities, have prompts. Sometimes it's just an open space to talk. We also have group activities. In fact, what we're planning for our group activity in May is to make some vegan homemade ice cream together virtually. So I'm going to put together some tips because I've been making a lot of coconut milk ice cream at home and it's absolutely amazing. So we just decided earlier today that as a group, um, anyone who wants to join can come and try out making their own ice cream, either for the first time or maybe figure out a recipe that you've been working on if you've made it before. I'm going to offer up a lot of tips on making ice cream. So trying to come up with fun activities here where we can do something that's actually also kind of messy. You know, figuring out a good recipe is not always going to be super linear. <laughs> Something like ice cream has a lot of nuances and you can mess it up. You can fail, but doing it with other people, sometimes failing doesn't feel so bad. And I think that's the reason why I love having these conversations, speaking out on what feels uncomfortable and messy and complex for me feels a little bit easier when I'm saying it to others who understand like yourself, even if it doesn't make full sense to you. It feels better than keeping it to myself. Kind of like feels better to make ice cream with other people rather than doing it all alone. And you don't get in, no one else is there to, to try it or experience it with you. And I think that's, that's just life in general, right? So anyways, we'll be making ice cream. If you want to come join, I'll have all the details in Beyond Measure. If you're not already in Beyond Measure and you want to check it out, you want to come to these live podcast recordings. You want to see what our other group activities are like. The link is in the description. And if you have any questions about it, if it doesn't make sense, if you're scared to join and you know you want to get some more details that I haven't outlined yet, send me an email and we'll chat through it and see if Beyond Measure is a fit for you. Thanks again for listening. I'll be back on Friday with a guest episode 
which is a little bit less messy, a little bit more linear, <laughs> if that's your style. And if you want another messy episode, I'll see you again next Monday. <laughs> Bye for now.